Well, good evening, everyone, wherever you find yourselves, in your homes, in your rooms, driving in the car, plugging it in and listening. We thank you for joining us in this evening. As I said last week, and I'll say it again, I'm still not used to this. It still feels weird. We have a few people here from the team and the media, but it's just not the same. And so I'll say it again, I'm really looking forward to seeing you all again in person at the beginning of June. How many of you have um, seen those videos where people get scared or they get someone jumps out of a trash can from around the corner or a statue that looks like a statue but it's actually a person and they move quickly and it scares the people around them, right? And you see their real, honest, um, unconscious reaction to that event. Um, it's kind of funny to look at, and you see them all, you know, all the time on, on YouTube and on uh, fail videos and everything. Um, it's pretty funny. So if you haven't seen anything like that, here's a quick clip of, of what that looks like. So let's go ahead and check it out. So, um, first of all, if you're that snowman in there, why would you try to scare that guy? He's like double the size of you. And it's just not a smart idea. Um, that guy showed his reaction, right? He reacted to it. He has a little daughter next to him and he jumped into action and he, you know, tried to knock that guy out, right? Unconscious, didn't even think about it. Just pure instinct out of fear, out of just... Uh, has no idea what's going on. His first reaction is to fight. My first reaction will probably be to like run away or fall down on the ground, right? Um, now, what I mean by that is there's actually a few different types of responses to fear or to these unexpected situations. The first one we just saw, which was fight. When someone jumps out at you, when someone tries to scare you, you know, you might throw up your arms, you might hit them, you might do something, you might hit a wall or throw something on the ground. That's your reaction, right? And your muscles tense up, you're ready to go. Um, another reaction is flight. Okay, so first one was fight, the second one's flight. So like you run away. Um, that's the reaction you have when, when, and I know none of you are doing this, but when you're skipping lunch and you see the, the, uh, the assistant principal come your way, you get out of there, you hightail it, right? You run, you don't stop to chat, you get out of there as fast as you can. Um, and another reaction that we can have is freeze. So we have fight, flight, and freeze. And this is like um, when your body freezes and you don't move, right? So think of like a deer in headlights or um, like in the movies when you see a building falling down on a person and that person's just standing there petrified and you're screaming like, get out of the way, run, what are you doing? That's another reaction. Your body just freezes up. Uh, it's also the same reaction maybe some of you are having right now during finals when you get that exam and you see the first question and you just like, all hope leaves your body and you just freeze up. You're like, well, guess I'm uh, taking over the summer, right? So it's those responses that we have in situations of physical fear, right? People jump out at us. Sometimes we, we fight, and by that I mean, you know, our body just jerks around, we move around. We get out of there, flight, or we freeze up. We just, we, 
have no motion, we shut down, we get tunnel vision, and we don't do anything. Now, psychologists say that these are the normal reactions that we humans have when it comes to fearful situations. But what if there was one more? What if there was one more reaction that we, as Christians, as children of God, could have? To where we don't fight, we don't flight, we don't get out of there, and we don't freeze up. If you have your scriptures, I encourage you to open up with me to Hebrews chapter 10 with verse 39. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. And we're going to see another reaction that we can have in times of trouble, in times of unexpected situations. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I like that. We are not those who shrink back. We're not the ones who run away. We're not the ones who are destroyed, but instead we have faith and our souls are preserved. Today we're going to be talking about faith as our reaction to the unexpected. In the past few weeks, we looked at a few things that we could do when dealing with the unexpected, when we just can't handle what life, really when God tests us or brings us through something. And we spoke about how suffering was here from the fall of man. We spoke about how prayer is a tool that we have when we are cognizant and when we recognize our limitations, we go before God and, say, and pray to him as a sign that we just can't handle it anymore. We need his help. We need his intervention. And last week, we also spoke about how we need to uh, pray for one another. We need to help one another during times of trouble. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to lift each other up to encourage one another. And another tool that we have that God has given to us in our tool set to handle life's unexpected circumstances and unexpected situations is faith. And this is a powerful tool for us as believers. Faith is much, much more than just a feeling. Much, much more than just a feeling. If you ask someone what they believe in or how they believe something, a lot of times they'll just say, well, I just feel it. I feel it inside of me. Sometimes you ask a Christian too, why do you believe in Jesus? Well, I just feel God. I feel the Spirit. And that's scriptural, that's correct. But listen, there are some points where we don't feel anything. There are some points where maybe we don't have that, you know, it's tangible uh, feeling that we, 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 we experience as believers and as children of God. And that's okay. Because faith is much, much more than the feeling. Faith is the word of God and what he tells us in his scriptures. That's what we base our faith off of. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is like the whole chapter is about faith. And starting even from verse one, it says what faith is. It says in Hebrews 11 with verse one, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the foundation of everything that we hope for. Everything that we hope comes true, everything that we desire, everything that we want in the name of the Lord, that's what 
faith is. It's the assurance that, that it's not based on just a feeling or on, a, on, on, on tradition. It's based off of something real. It continues, it's the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. In other words, it's how we comprehend the intangible. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. That's what faith is. Faith is that missing link, if you will, between what we hope for, what we can't see, and us. That's what faith is. Most importantly, faith is a gift from God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says it. That's not by our own means. It's not by our own power. It's by God's grace and his gift. We can sit here all we want and say that we believe something, and say as much as we want that this is my truth, this is my truth, I believe in this, this is my faith. But at the end of the day, if it's not from God, if it's glorifying us and our own desires and our own pursuits and not God, then it's not a real faith. It has to come from God and it's a gift from God. And this is important because without this gift of faith from God, we are unable to believe the power of God. Back in Hebrews 11, it says, In verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's how we believe that the world was created by the power of God. You know, a lot of people will ask us and they've asked me and they've asked um, you, I'm sure, where's the evidence that God created everything? And in Romans it says that, well, you look at creation and you see the evidence of all that. All of creation cries out to God and glorifies God. But to someone who doesn't have faith, who doesn't believe that, it's foolishness to them. Faith gives us the power to believe this and we see this and we experience it in our relationship with God. Now here's what's really important about faith. Without it, we can't be pleasing to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And go back to the same chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 with verse 6. It says it. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jesus loved it when people would place their full faith in him. Jesus loved it when, when, uh, when someone would say, Lord, all I need is a word. All I need is you to say something and my servant will be healed. And Jesus had many times where he, where he would see the faith of someone and he would say, look at this person. I tell you the truth. Nowhere in Israel have I seen faith like this person. Why? Because faith shows that you completely depend on God for something. Faith shows that you are completely obedient to God. That you're not depending on your own power. You're not depending on your own resources. You're not depending on your own strength. But you're depending solely and only on God. And you realize that you need to be in complete surrender of God. And say, Lord, I have the faith that you are in control of all things. And that 
without your power in my life, I could pray all I want, I could wish all I want, I could have good feelings all I want and have positive energies all I want, but without you, God, it is impossible. And Jesus sees that in many people and he says, verily, verily, I tell you, truthfully, I tell you, I haven't seen any faith like this in Israel. He loves it when people express their faith. It's pleasing to God. He's saying, yes, you get it, you understand This is what I've wanted, this relationship. Nothing we do, no matter how kind or how good or how it looks on the outside, none of it is pleasing to God if it's not coming from trust in God's forgiveness and guidance and power. So we looked at a few things of of what faith is, a few characteristics of faith, why it's important. I'd like to dive deeper into the word tonight and explore the story of Moses and how faith impacted his life and ultimately the lives of a whole nation. In the same chapters, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, let's open up to verse 23, Hebrews 11 with 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So let's backtrack just a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a few thousand years and see what's going on here. This was actually the third attempt for Pharaoh to completely annihilate the Hebrew people. He was afraid of them. His first was to put them into slavery. This wasn't the Pharaoh that knew Joseph. This was a completely different Pharaoh. His first attempt was to say, you know what? Let's make them slaves. That'll solve the problem. But the word of God says that they actually multiplied. They actually prospered in slavery. And God found favor with them. And they increased and they increased. So Pharaoh thought, oh man, okay, I need to do something else. Uh, Let me call all the Hebrew midwives in here, right? The midwives were like the delivery doctors of the day. And we still have them today as well. And he, he told them, he said, When the Hebrew women give birth, if it's a male child, I want you to kill that child. And now here's what's really interesting. The Hebrew midwives said that they feared God and they did not do this. They feared God and they did not do this. Instead, what they told Pharaoh when he called them back and he said, why have you not killed all the male Hebrew kids? And they said, well, by the time we get there, these Hebrew women are strong. I mean, these babies are born by the time we get there, right? And God found favor with them because their goal was justice and their goal was to preserve the life of the baby. And God found favor because they feared God. I want you to remember that word for a little bit because that's going to be a topic for tonight, the fear of God. So the third attempt from Pharaoh was to tell and to command, you know what? Every child that is born to a Hebrew woman that is a male, I want the family to throw him in the river. I want the family to throw him in the Nile. Now, it says here that the parents of Moses did not fear the edict of the king or the rule of the king. The midwives feared God. And the parents of Moses did not fear the edict of the king or the rule or the law of the king. Faith makes our focus towards the fear of God 
and not towards the fear of the unexpected. Faith takes our focus that we have to all the things that are going on around us that the world is telling us to fear on these unexpected situations, on pandemics, on uh, um, uh, rumors, on whatever else is in your life that you're suffering from, that you're struggling with. It takes our fear from that and faith says, hey, we need to fear a holy God. And we've spoken about the fear of God before. I remember we said, if you truly fear God, you have nothing to fear at all, right? Because God stands up for his children. Every single time that a a person of God um, uh, was in the presence of the Lord or, or of an angel or before the Lord, Isaiah comes to mind, right? And they all fall like dead men before him and said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I, I, I am fearful. They were terrified. And these angels or God himself would say, fear not. Fear not. Stand up. Fear not, right? When we come before God in fear of him, not in fear of the situations around us, God says, fear not. That's what faith does. Faith takes our focus from those other elements and points it to God. Now, what's really interesting about this verse too is it says that Moses' parents saw him as beautiful, right? They looked at the baby and said, man, this is a good-looking baby. There's no way I could throw his baby in the river. Maybe if he was a little ugly or something. No, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's talking about a physical beauty here, right? Because we look at it and say, oh, well, he must have, you know, must have had a good complexion. He could have been a Gerber baby, something. But the word here for beautiful, it means more... um, uh, more than handsome, it's like sophisticated, chosen, purposed. This person's going places. They saw, they had the faith, by faith, that Moses was going to be someone great. They saw that he was beautiful. They saw that God had done something beautiful in their life, and they had a fear of God, and they would say, far be it from me to take something beautiful that God has made, that God has created, and toss it out, because I don't fear the edicts of the king. I don't fear what the culture is telling me. I don't fear that I'm not giving into their morals and their values. I fear instead God. I fear what he's telling me, and he's telling me that he has placed something beautiful in my life. I fear God because he's telling me that his morals, his value are beautiful. I fear God because he has made me in his image, that he has created me beautiful, one of a kind, purposed, sophisticated, and I'm here to serve him and in fear of him and not in fear of anybody else, hallelujah. That's what they saw and far be it from them to listen to the edicts of a king or the culture or the pressures around them. Instead, they feared God and they said, we are gonna do something about this, but we are not gonna do it out of fear of the Pharaoh or the fear of anyone else, but out of a whole Uh, mature, healthy fear of the living God because they saw that Moses was beautiful. God is reminding us that our decisions need to come from a fear of God and not from a fear of the world. He's reminding us that he's created us in his image. He has placed something beautiful inside each and every single one of us. That our beautiful Savior on that cross and his beautiful blood gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to stand firm 
and to say, no, I believe that what God is doing is right, is correct, is beautiful, is worthy, and I will not do things out of a fear of repercussion from the world, but instead I will serve a holy God and I'll stand in fear of God. Do we ever compromise our values, morals, and even beliefs because we're in a difficult situation? How about now during finals, right, for many of you? Well, it's a really hard test, and, uh, you know, this website has the answer bank, and, um, you know, I mean, everyone's doing it, and if I don't pass this class, that's bad news for me. How about when we're commanded to love somebody that we don't, to forgive somebody that we're not forgiving? Because we've placed the values of the world onto that person. We say that person is not worthy of being forgiven. That person is not worthy of being loved. That group of people are not worthy of being shown compassion and love because I'm influenced by the laws around me, by the edicts around me, by the people around me that say that someone has to earn my love. Are we compromising on that? Are we compromising on the small things, I guess you could call them? Online test exams and everything, loving people. Faith should drive us to see the beauty of God in our lives and his work in us. What he has placed in us is eternally beautiful, is eternally good. And we can't compromise what God has placed in us from any other influence. We can't be fearful of anything going on around us and let it compromise our faith, our beliefs, our convictions. Moses' parents didn't stop there, though. If we turn back to Exodus chapter 2 with verse 3 and 4. Exodus 2, 3 and 4. Because they saw that God had made a beautiful child, right? That good-looking baby. We're not giving this baby up. He's three months old and he's a cutie. He's purposed. He is here for a reason. God's going to use him. We believe that. But what do they do? They don't just stand there and say, we have faith and not take any action. They put their faith into action. And here's what they do. And we know the story, but I want to read it. When she could hide him no longer, she took, him, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes or papyrus reeds and daubed it with bitumen and pitch like a tar, sticky tar. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. She did something. She had the faith. She talked to talk, but then she walked the walk as well. Faith is a verb. A verb means action. A verb means doing something. James says this as well in chapter 1 with verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Because if you hear the word and you know what you're supposed to do, but don't do it, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like. We need to realize that having faith isn't just something to say or to sing or to pray or to boast in. No. Faith is a tool for us to use for the glory of God to help others in their time of need. 
to help ourselves in times of trouble when we ask the Lord for more faith. Abraham put his faith into practice as well. We, we all know the story. If he believed that God had chosen his son Isaac to be uh, the, uh, uh, his, his son that would spawn a nation, his only son, And God called him and said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, right? He emphasized that. And when he said, he said, take him up to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. And what was funny was Abraham has such strong faith that before he left, he told the servants, we will go to worship and we will return. He didn't say I will return. He said, we will return. All of us are coming back. Why? Because he believed that even if God does kill his son, he will resurrect him from the dead and he will bring him back to life because God's promises are true. He had that amount of faith to say, I'm not just gonna sit here and believe and argue with God and say, but God, you promised that he was gonna be my descendant. How is it gonna work? What's it gonna look like? God called him and said, go do what I'm commanding you. And Abraham had the faith to say, okay, Okay, because I believe that even if he does die, he's going to come back to life. That's what faith does. Faith secures for us a foothold into the unknown. Faith secures for us a foothold into the unknown. Because not only do we have to stand firm and not fear the situation around us and fear God, but we need to actually start walking in our faith and doing the things that we say we believe in. And for Abraham, this meant starting the long, hard, awkward journey with his son. Remember, his son was asking, uh, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal? And Abraham, the Lord will provide. He will do something. He didn't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers when we start on our journey of faith. We don't. But what faith does is it gives us a foothold. It gives us, it gives us a, 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 a step, just what we need to see, just the next step. And we say the Lord will provide the next step and we take another step. The Lord will provide the next step and we take another step. And we say, give us today our daily bread. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we ask him for his help and for his bread today. We step out into faith. We need to make sure that the Savior is there. We need to make sure that God's with us, that's truly God. When Peter was asked to come out onto the water, or when he saw that it was Jesus out there, they thought it was a ghost, right? And Peter says in, um, in Matthew 14 with 28, he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to walk out to you. And we sang that last week, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And we sing it, but do we do it? You know, faith can also be spelled another way, R-I-S-K. Faith is a risk for us. It's not a risk for God. We can't see what's ahead of us, or we see something and it looks like water, but we know who sees us. We can't see everything in front of us, but we are seen by somebody. We are seen by God. And he gives us that power of faith to say, take a step. 
Take a step in this direction because I am with you. Take a step. If you see something in your church that needs solving, that needs helping, why don't you stop attending in church and be the church? If you see someone that needs help and is suffering, why don't you stop uh, uh, complaining about it or maybe asking for someone to do something and maybe step up and take that step of faith and do something. Every aspect of our life has to be impacted by faith. When we step out in faith, prepare to look foolish because we will to the world. In Proverbs, it says, lean not on your own understanding. In other words, the understanding of the world, the understanding of just humanity, but trust with all your heart in the ways of the Lord. It might look funny. It might look weird. It, not, it might not make sense to you, but if we're abiding, if we have that relationship with Jesus and we, we're constantly saying, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Lord, if it's you, call me out. I want to make sure that this is you. And when the Lord calls you out to take a step, and you have that faith and you see that it gives you that foothold into the unknown. Your faith grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's an exercise and it's a journey. But you can never grow that faith that comes from God if you don't step out, if you don't take that first step. If we talk about faith, not only must we stand firm against the unexpected and the hard times, but also walk in faith. Trusting that God is leading the way. Remember, we, we're not able to see every single step, but we are seen by God himself. I want to invite the team back up here as we wrap up the message. This whole chapter that we have been looking over speaks about faith. And it gives many examples. And we could take this one chapter and do a whole series out of it for weeks. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful passage. And the more I read it, the more I'm in love with the message and the promise of, of what true faith means. But there's a reason for this faith. It's not just to stand up against the unknown. It's not just to take a next step into the unknown. It's also to prepare us for something. And our forefathers knew this. The people in this chapter knew it. Verse 13 from Hebrews 11 said that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak and thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And then in verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So not only does faith help us with the unexpected and the unknown, but faith prepares us for something unimaginable something beyond our wildest dreams, our wildest imagination. Our faith that is pleasing to God is preparing for us a city, a reward. Now remember, we spoke a little bit about faith. Salvation in Jesus Christ is by faith alone. And it makes sense. 
Because you can't please God if you don't believe in his son, Jesus Christ. It says that we are enemies of God. It says that we were once uh, in enmity with God. We weren't at peace with God. But the sacrifice of Jesus brought about that reconciliation. And if you, my friend, haven't believed that yet, you're placing your faith in the wrong person. You're placing your faith in the wrong person. I look all around us and I see that people are getting angry. People are getting angry and upset at the government for not doing things soon enough. People are getting upset at their officials. People are getting upset at Costco for forcing them to wear a mask. It's a travesty. How could this happen? You know, whatever. People are getting angry in political parties and leaders. Is it because we've placed our faith too much in them? I'm just asking a question, something I'm asking myself. When I'm getting angry at something, is it because I've placed too much faith in, in a political leader, in a health advisor? I've placed too much faith and I've been too dependent on where I get my food from and I think that's my God, that's where I get my daily bread from a supermarket. I get angry. I'm asking a question. Where are we placing our faith in? Where are you placing your faith in? Who in whom are you placing your faith? Because people will disappoint you. People have disappointed me. I've disappointed people. Just how we are. But we place our faith in Jesus Christ and he will never, ever, ever, ever disappoint us especially in times like these where he's trying to tell us something, where he's saying maybe as he has to Peter, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? If you're sinking, if you're reaching out, grasping for help, ask for faith from the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord, increase my faith that this is not the end. And that's what these people in scripture realized that this is not the end. They were seeking a better homeland. They were seeking a better country that is a heavenly one. And God, when he saw their faith was pleased in them and he is preparing for them and has prepared for them and will prepare for you and for me, a city, something unimaginable, something that's beyond our scope, something beyond our logic, beyond our reason. This is where faith brings us. It's not just for this world. It's not just to say, you know, I believe we'll get through this pandemic. We're in it together. It'll be fine. No, it's to say no matter what happens, even if we don't get through it, even if God decides in his providential will that the whole world will be taken over by this, we shall not lose our faith. We shall not give up on the one who did not give up on us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Savior Jesus Christ has done everything for us. Everything that's necessary for our salvation. The only thing that he asks is to believe, to place your faith in him. 
not just in a thing, not just in a, a, a spirit, some sort of, uh, of a, you know, out there spirit that is neither here nor there, but a person, a historical person, a supernatural person. What more could he ask? What more do we have to do than believe? I invite you, if you haven't, to place your faith in Jesus Christ as the one who will not just give for you a healthy fear of God and uh, not fearing the world around you and the unexpected situations, a Savior that will give you faith not just to step out and walk out into the unknown, but a Savior that gives you the faith to believe that there is something more and something more beautiful than all of this. Our natural response during hard times is fear. Fight, flight, freeze. When it comes to our spiritual lives, let our response be faith. Channel that fear into a fear of God that faith and trusting that the Lord sees you even though you can't see everything. And that faith, that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, God has prepared for us a beautiful, unimaginable city as a reward for us, for his glory and for his name. Let's worship together.